Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to Sell Better, The Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. Change your chat settings over there on the right to everyone and let us know where you're tuning in from in the chat. Shout out to Kirsten Woodbury, who makes it here every single day. We appreciate you for coming to the show so often. Uh, let's get into what we're going to talk about. We're here to talk about selling to the C-suite specifically, and I am joined by Mr. John Barrows himself and the CRO of Sunrise Security. Thank you so much for joining us, Denise. These folks are going to represent two sides of the quarter here. One, they're going to be the C-suite that we all want to sell into. And two, they're going to represent the seller, the per the people that sell to the C-suite, because both of them have extensive experience doing both. But before we start, if you're looking to level up in 2023, we're here to help. Sell Better now offers instant access to our membership to give you all of our training resources, live member sessions, and you can check it out at sellbetter.xyz or scan that QR code on your screen. All right, our friends at Vidyard are throwing it down on 2023's Fast Forward event. Hat tip to my man, JB, who's going to be speaking. The topic is connection, not perfection. Video prospecting at scale. Big, ugly words right there. Figure out how to do it. This feels very spicy. So we're going to put the link in the chat. Go ahead and sign up for the Fast Forward event so you can learn from John. Let me give you a little bit about what you guys are going to get today. Uh, identify and leverage what these people actually care about. We're going to give you some specific things to talk about with your financial buyers, probably the most important person you get to talk to, if you even get to talk to them. And then finally, we're going to give you the negotiation techniques that bring it home. That's what you want. So let's kick it off really quick. Uh, this is something you said, Denise, and I just want you to give the overall consensus here. Why do executives not buy products? What are they buying? They're buying things that help their organizations, right? They're buying things that either, you know, three things, right? Either they save them money, they help them make money, or they're replacing something that's already in their environment, right? 2023, there's not extra budget sitting around for things. Like, so So it isn't about you showing up and thinking that they're deciding this product or that product. Mm -hmm. They're trying to figure out, how does this help me meet my goals this year? How, where is this in my priority list, right? How is it going to work in my environment? They're, they're making decisions on a totally different level than what we think they are, right? We show up thinking, if I show them this differentiation, or if I show them like this cool little thing in the product, like they're going to get it. They don't care. They're just buying for whatever's in their organization. John, you're not buying products. What are you buying, buddy? I, I mean, I'm going to just steal what Dan Falco uh, said, outcomes. Uh, yeah. We buy outcomes, period. Um, and we and, and we buy things that align with the priorities and what we're trying to accomplish as a business or the problems we're trying to solve. That That's what I buy. I, I buy solutions to problems or things that will help me achieve what I want to achieve as a business. That's it. Your features and functions, I could give a shit about. I, I, I really could care less. That's, that's for other people. And don't get me wrong, that those are important, but those are for other people in the selling process. If you get, I, I always say you get pushed to who you talk like. So if you were talk feature function speeds and feeds type of stuff, I'm going to push you to people who talk feature function speeds and feeds, and I'm going to yeah. glaze over in this conversation. If you qualify me, for instance, like if you're qualifying me, discovery and qualification are different. You want to discover me. You want to keep digging and find out what my main priorities and what those impacts are. That's fine. But if you're qualifying me and asking me like, John, how's this? And what do you do for this? And da, 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 da. Like, I'm going to get so bored of that conversation so fast that I'm going to run away. 
Right. You know, there's probably a lot of things that sellers can do that make people want to run away. And we're going to get into some red flags a little bit later. So hang on tight to those things so we can mm-hmm. put those cones in people's lanes. It looks like a lot of account executives in the room. And I want to point out that thing that John said to every AE that's in the room, you're going to get pushed to who you sound like. So what that means is you got to be more like Denise. Denise is a C-level buyer. Denise, these are your characteristics from your own perspective. You gave me, this is how I am. Is this how most C-level execs are? Uh, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but I know by the time you get to be a C-level exec, you, you've you at least earned some of these characteristics, right, from a persona perspective, right? You don't have extra time, like get to the point, be open, be transparent, don't make me guess whether this could work or not, like do your work. The, and, and I tell my team, I tell anyone that's selling to us, have done your homework ahead of time, and then I'm going to just tell you like it is. Right, because I we just don't have extra time to you know jerk you around. Don, uh, I don't think there's anybody more transparent than you on these calls. I think you wear all of your feelings on your sleeve very religiously. So, uh, and and let's let's ask the the audience here: yes or no? Do you consider yourself a transparent seller, John? How does transparency help you as a C level exec? I think I mean Denise hit it. It just saves time. Uh, you know, executives know that lying is a waste of time, and so that's why you'll get to be you'll get direct responses from them. And a lot of times, me and growing up in my career in sales, that actually bluntness was was great because it was a learning lesson for me. You know, I, I'd walk in and I'd be like, "Oh, whatever," you know, and then they'd punch me right in the mouth with something. I'd be like, "Holy shit, okay." Uh, and you know, as painful as it was, I got to learn. All right, I got to come correct. I got to come direct. And, and again, come with a perspective, come with something that I don't know, not that I don't know, but gets me to think differently about something. And to Denise's point, I'll give you an example. Like I've, I've talked to a lot of CROs over the past two months, right? A lot of them. I mean, I had, I, I think I've done 70 sales calls in the past uh, three months, 70 uh, myself personally. And a lot of them are with CROs and that type of thing. And I, I have a checklist for all my, you know, meetings that I go through. And one of the things on the checklist is is Crystal Knows. I look at your disc profile, right? So for those of you who don't know, Crystal Knows, it's not a drug site. It, it's a disc profile thing, right? And what it is, and every single one of them, high D, high D, high D, high D, high D, right? And so, you know, when you're coming into that scenario that you better come very direct and small talk, you could if you want to do small talk with a purpose okay uh basically hey as as prepping for this i was doing some homework i noticed this i had some quick questions for you there but small talk as far as like the sports and the weather and that type of stuff like all i'm doing while you're doing that small talk i'll still give you 30 minutes by the way if you get asked 30 minutes on my calendar i'll still give you 30 minutes and i'll i'll engage in the small talk with you if you want but all i'm doing in my head is going all right kid you got 20 minutes left you got 15 minutes left you got 10 minutes left that's all i'm doing right yeah so yeah, Denise, when we talked about this, you said the thing that you're looking for is that you want to see that they did some work for this. They want to you want to hear them ask the right questions. Uh, you know, they they have to earn it, right? To some degree. What is it about sellers that earns the right for them to actually pitch their product to you? Well, I, I mean, again, John and I are kind of speaking from the same hymnal, I think here, right? But it is when you show up at that executive meeting, you need to have done your homework. And that means like I'm not your first call. We're not, we're not doing discovery. We're not doing that. Like, Denise, where is this in your priority list this year? Like, if you ask me that, like, we're, we're done. I don't have time to take it. Like, and you haven't earned the right to ask me that question, right? So get with my team, 
understand what's going on in our environment, get to know some of them, build a champion. You know, we all talk about no champion, no deal. I definitely mm-hmm. believe in that. Because if anybody gets to me, I'm just going to go back to that person and be like, hey, did you, you know, where are we on this? Is this something we're looking at? What is it? What are we trying to accomplish with that? Right. Just coming to me doesn't do anything. When they earn that right, do you then open the floodgates? Is it like a free for all? You're like, oh, you looked at my website. Let me give you all the information you need. (laughs) You know, I grew up in Boston. Yeah, we're best buds. Absolutely not. No, I mean, so, so I will say, right, I appreciate someone who shows up that has done their work, right? If you've done homework, you've listened to a podcast or two that I've done, you know, the harder with with you two, I know, since you do them all the time. Um, but, you know, I, I'll talk about those things that are important to me, like have done your work a little bit, not just about like, you know, where I grew up or where I went to school, or I see you're the CRO at Sunday Security. Like that just, that, that puts you automatically in the negative. Yeah. Um, would I say I do floodgates right away? I would say I'm more open to those people that I feel like have earned it and earning it is doing the work, doing the research, doing the personalization, understanding a little bit about what's going on in our organization, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I'll, I'll, you know, it's little bits, breadcrumbs. Definitely. And I think that it also, I think it's important to understand that the, the C-level suite you're talking to, right? And how you need to show up. Because I think in general, and I'm being very general here, but you can you learn this through your champion and, and internal about how detail-oriented that executive is. I'm not a very detail-oriented executive, okay? So when you come to me, usually you come to me and I'm like, yep, this aligns, cool. Go talk to these people, figure out the details. And then I get cycled back in when we're pretty close to the end to say, and I, but I'll be asking all the questions to my team as far as, hey, does this really align? Do we really need this? That type of thing. And all right, cool. I just kind of usually want to see it on the way right before. Just be like, all right, we thumbs up on this. Good. Do I have any last questions on my end? Fantastic. But CFOs, and that's how we started this whole conversation. Right now, CFOs are involved in almost every single conversation there is. Anything and, spend related. And they, yeah. And so, like, if you don't know how to have that financial conversation and that that impact and and the risk conver- and and de-risk me, right? CFOs are all about de de-risking, mm. uh, saving money. Uh, making sure that it's not necessarily the cheapest solution, but it's the highest value solution that they can get, right? And is it going to make them money, right? So those are the ways that you have to speak that language and you have to speak that language to a CFO compared to a CRO, compared to a CEO, they speak different languages. Mm. And Denise brought it up, like you can learn that through, you know, through publications, through listening to other CFOs and also looking at profiles and talking to your internal advocates to say, hey, just out of curiosity, I'm about to meet with Denise, for instance, what what does she like to hear? In the last executive meeting that you had, the last time that you presented something to her that you thought was actually al- aligned with priorities, like what were the questions that she was asking you? How direct was she? How detail oriented do I need to be in preparation for this? Right, because that that's going to tell you a lot. But it's not just the persona; it's the persona and the personality that you got to figure out. I love where this is headed and this leads really well into the people that we're talking to and where they fit right here. So uh, I'm very proud of this image. Maria helped me put this together. Shout out Maria, my colleague, my coworker that makes these images so great. Uh, I think we're dealing with two groups here and the C-level executives always sit on the far right of this graph. But are you guys comfortable? Are there two types of C-level execs? Are you good letting your people make these decisions or or is there, I want to know, I want to be involved in all these spins. Where do you sit? 
I'm not involved in all the spends. I, I have to trust my team to do it. They're the ones, I mean, they have to have the ownership of it, right? If I'm making decisions for them, then they don't own it, right? But is a good know. discovery question, do you think, for you? What, what do you mean? Do you think if a seller said, hey, Denise, I know you're probably going to end up being this decision maker, but do I need to talk to your team below? Uh, is it good to go down the ladder instead of stay above the ladder in that C-level spot? I mean, I think technology decisions, that's how they're made today. Again, they're not made at the C-level. I will, like if it's something that is on our priority list mm. that we're looking for and somebody reaches out to me, I'll automatically, I'll introduce them to the right person in the company that will be, that they'll be engaged with. It, and it's not me. <laughs> like I'm not looking at products to fit in my tech stack. It's just, it's not, a, I'm, I'm working on board slides right now. I understand. I understand. Uh, we're talking about these financial buyers earlier, and in order to ask the right questions, learn their language, speak the way they speak, you have to have access to them. So I want to know from the folks in the, in the audience right now, do you have access to all of your financial buyers in your deals? And while they're, while they're talking about that, while they're taking part in that question, John, talk to me about a red flag. What would make you run away screaming from a deal as a C-level? Oh, shit. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on, again, where I get brought in. Right. Okay. Uh, if I get brought in, if if my team, uh, who knows our priorities, knows what we're getting, having you know to get accomplished, and and they've done some prequal stuff, and then I'm in that meeting, you know, right? I think a lot of times the sales reps approach their preparation, their insights that they bring to me, and and how interesting the conversation is mm. or lack thereof that to me is a red flag like if they're going down nuanced details and they're wasting my time for a conversation that i really don't need to be here for to me that's somebody who doesn't get it right um so there's a red flag in that um you know talking too much shit about competition uh focusing too much on you know nuanced things that that are kind of table stakes for a lot of stuff and not aligning with what i'm trying to get accomplished and not knowing what i'm trying to get accomplished or asking very dumb questions like tell me about your priorities what keeps you up at night those type of things like as soon as i start hearing that i like it's almost like you'll watch my the my eyes glaze over and I'll just, I'll then go from this screen to this screen and I'll check my emails and I'll say, uh-huh, every once in a while out of, out of pure respect for the people that got me into that meeting. Yeah. Uh, Some of these, those are that moment where you like shoot over to your other screen and you can see them like look away and okay. start typing. <laughs> oh no, I've gotten perfected to, to, to get your camera right here and then my email <laughs> right below you. So it looks like I'm really paying attention to you, but <laughs> nine times out of 10, I'm not because I'm bored as hell out of this conversation. And, and I, uh, can I add one on to that? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, the, I would add that if they're not listening, right, they ask a discovery yeah. question and, it, and let's hope it's a good discovery question. And I see some stuff in the chat on that. We should really talk about that. But um, it's a good discovery question. And then I give them an answer and they dive into whatever their next question is anyways. And it's mm -hmm. like, hang on, like clearly you didn't even just listen to what we talked about. So not listening. It's a pet peeve of mine. I get that. But I think every executive is like, again, it's in that like, we only have this much time. If you're not listening to me, why am I going to give you time? But if, if you're, go ahead. if you show that, if you show that homework and that genuine curiosity, it's actually the exact opposite. A lot of executives like to educate people on certain things. If you're, you know, because because leadership development is part of an executive's job, right? And so if there's a sales rep in there and you can tell that that sales rep has done their homework, they're bringing some insights and they're genuinely curious about your business and asking those right questions to your question earlier, James, about opening up the kimono, like that's when I'll start to get really like, yeah, actually, 
let me tell you a little bit more about that. And, you know, and somebody asked like, what kind of questions would you ask? So here's a very basic example. This is also about bringing insights to the table, which is what I want to hear. Remember I just said earlier that I've talked to seven, I had 70 sales meetings and the majority of them were CROs. Yep. If you're that type of a sales rep where you've had a lot of conversations with a lot of CROs or a lot of CFOs or whatever, especially right now, especially right now, and you can come with me to me with some insights of what those conversations have led to and what those people are dealing with and what their challenges are and priorities and what they're focused on. Okay, I'm listening. So for instance, instead of saying, tell me about your priorities, dipshit, get out of my office. It's, hey, John, you know what? I have talked to about 50 CROs in the past three months here. And they're telling us that right now, the top things that they're on their mind and what they're trying to address are X, Y, Z. Are you seeing the same stuff? Even if those X, Y, Z are not the things that I'm working on, the fact that you show my, you know, my world a little bit tends to open up the conversation because then it's not a shut up. It's a yes and or a no, but, and then I'll start to get into those details with you, but you have to know enough to get that conversation going. And it's not that hard. Go look at job descriptions, go listen to podcasts of people who are in those roles, go Google CROs, healthcare, priorities, challenges, 2023, and see what comes up. It's not hard. Go into chat GPT for shit's sake. So yeah. what are the top CROs right now care about in this industry? And what should I, what questions should I ask them that are interesting? Like you can actually ask ChatGPT that. It'll give you some pretty good answers. So many tools out there. That's a green flag, not a red flag. Denise, you told me a story about a red flag and I want you to tell that story. Something that made you pause for a moment and you sat on it for two days. I've seen a lot of questions in the chat. Throw your questions in the Q&A for these folks because we'll prompt them and answer those questions at the end of the show. Denise, why did you pause for two days? What did this person make an assumption and do? Oh, yeah, you know, everyone's working remote, right? You have to remember that you're not having day-to-day -day hallway conversations with people. And in this particular case, it was an end of quarter sale by a technology that they were trying to sell us. And um, they had they had actually reached me. I had had a conversation with them the week prior. I'm like, look, I'm a supporter. They're like, for sure, like, you're going to get my blessing on this, but you need to make sure you're working with my head of sales ops, my head of revenue ops, right? That he's the person that's going to bring it to me. Um, and then when it came down to it, I got a, out of the blue, here's a quote, the final quote in the purchase order for you to sign. And I'm like, <laughs> and the person who I pushed them to wasn't copied on it. So I'm like, you know, are they trying to get me to, I mean, the skepticism comes out, right? Are they trying to sign something before it's actually approved? So I, I mean, it took me a day and a half to get with my RevOps guy and go like, okay, what's going on here? Um, and it, we ended up signing it the very like last moment of the end of the quarter because we wanted to do that for them. But they would have had it earlier in the week had they not done a bonehead move like that. Yeah. Don't leave out people that matter. John, what were you going to say? Well, that's the, that's the going over. So looks going over somebody's head without pissing them off is one of the hardest things to do in sales period. Okay. Um, it can be done though. And, and the way to do it is or around somebody is you have to separate the conversation strategy vision direction alignment feature function pain whatever right if you're dealing with somebody down here feature function pain stuff like so as an example like james you're we're on the same team right so if somebody was selling you to something right like i trust you to make the decision based on what we kind of the parameters right so if somebody comes to me and and is basically asking me the same questions they would ask you you're going to piss both of us off. You're going to piss sure. you off because you went over your head, but you're going to also piss me off because I'm like, why are you asking me these questions? That's that's why James is here. Like I, I trust him to make those decisions. However, if 
you can make a connection to me based on something I said or something you read about in our 10K annual report or something like that. And, and take this tact, which is, hey, John, uh, I've been working with James to address your feature function, speed, feed thing, whatever it is, man. And man, he's been great to work with. And, and everybody write this, this phrase down. As I learn more about your business, I actually heard you on a podcast recently where you talked about this year, your priorities were to blah, blah, blah. And I was wondering if I could just get a few minutes of your time so I could ask you about some of that stuff so that as I work with James, I can make the connection here. You still might piss James off. You still might annoy me a little bit, but at least you separated the conversations so it wasn't something that that James could answer, right? And 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 I, you, you have a chance there of not pissing me off, right? But you have to have a different reason, and it has to be based on something that is different than what you are, that is a, about alignment compared to what James can give you answers for. I want to preface by saying that I do not make decisions for John, so I look forward to all of your emails. Uh, all of your email pitches can go to James doesn't make decisions for John at james.com. Uh, Denise, you have you had something to say. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to add like so. So the add-on to that conversation would be that they would be you know, let's talk about transparency, right? I'm big on transparency in sales. I know I know John is too, right? So what I would do is. I would go first to James and be like, "Hey, heads yeah. up, right? Heads up, I'm um, I'm reaching out to John. I like I really love working with you. I'll, d I'll definitely make sure to give you kudos and and you know make it happen. But you know we really need to be able to you know align strategic relationships. So I just want to let you know I'm doing that, or get your okay, or get an introduction from. There's there's no reason that you have to make it a secret. Like no. we all know that we're doing this." And just for little context, that that approach that I just said there, that is that is when the like James would not be responding to your emails. You know what I mean? So if like if you've gone with James and you've had conversations with James and it looks like there's alignment there, and now James has straight up ghosted you, usually what I'll say is that I'll and here's a little nugget for you, which is I will say, Hey James, and and by the way, when people ghost you right now, especially in this environment, don't lead with empathy on your on your prospecting emails that's dumb right like oh, i hope you and your family are doing well that's a dumb thing to do right now from a prospecting standpoint but if you are middle of the sales cycle there's meat on that bone and then somebody ghosts you i beg you to lead with empathy i beg you because you have no idea and you are not the most important part but what you can do is say this hey so denise say you're you know i'm, tr I'm trying to get over you to james just because you're on the screen here right and i'll say hey denise um uh look i, I have I've reached out to you a couple of times. I, you know, I haven't heard back from you. I hope everything's okay. But based on your priorities and your timeline, if I, and I give people this out, if I don't hear back from you in the next 24 hours, I'm going to go ahead and give James a call here to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. So I'm going to give you a chance to let you know I'm going to go over your head. But, but the reason I say that is because it's based on your priorities and your timeline. You said you wanted this launched by April 1st. You said you wanted this because of the impact here. If that's the case and I don't hear from back from you, yeah, I'm going to reach out to James because I want to make sure that they, we're doing this the right way, right? So that's that's the context of that tip. It's not just going over somebody's head. To your point, Denise, I will talk to you directly and be like, hey, Denise, my favorite way of going over somebody's head when I'm talking to them is ask them questions that they don't know the answers to. Mm -hmm. And it's about alignment. 
It's like, hey, Denise, when, when James stood up this year and said, these are the things that we, what, how does, what were those things? And how does what you and I are talking about align with those? And how are you going to measure the impact of it? Usually somebody below the power line does not have that insight. And then you say, it's okay that you don't have that insight. Here's the reason I need to know that because you and I could come to violent agreement down here of why this is the right thing to do. But as we move this upstream, if we cannot draw a direct line to impact here, then it's we're going to waste a lot of time here. So that's why I need that information. So could you either broker that conversation or I'm going to write an email to you that makes you sound smart so you can actually send it to your boss and ask those questions, right? Like that's the way I would handle it. It's worth noting that C-level executives talk to their people. Good C-level executives talk to their people. <laughs> Let me caveat there. Uh, John and I talk. That's what we do. If I have something for him, I send it to him. We have a conversation about it. That's the way it works. So, you know, if, go if I'm ghosting you, which is unlikely, there's a good chance something is actually happening. So I appreciate the lead with empathy. Uh, Denise, I want to prompt you for this because this is what you as a financial buyer are specifically looking for on a call. And I want you guys to take a screenshot of this and tag Denise, tag John, tag myself, this language. Every seller should know this language. It looks like 12% of you are, are saying you do not, you do have access to every single financial buyer and you might sell in the financial industry and that's why, but 88% do not have access. Talk about this language, Denise. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So again, you know, we started off by saying when you're a C-level exec, you're looking for the three things, right? Are you saving me money? Are you making me money? Are you replacing something that's already in my environment? How is this going to work in my, you know, stack? So it's just, again, this is very direct, right? But it looks like you're trying to accomplish, I don't know, better forecasting. It looks like you're trying to accomplish, you know, accelerated hiring. And this is how we can help you with that. Right. And that that doesn't happen if you haven't done the research everywhere else, right? The leading with that is alongside what John was talking about with with uh, you know understanding how to come into them with and and knowing what it is that your value proposition is for them at an exact level. That financial buyer has some specific language that they use, and I think this lends itself to that language really well. Sales is math is something that we hear often. People have been saying this for a couple of years now. I've seen it pretty prominent. Uh, John, when's the best time to have that math conversation? Earlier, I saw in the chat that you said you get about four-ish questions for a C-level exec. How do you use one to get to the math? Uh, well, so I think this is there's again context within that four. Like it's not just four. It's, it's I mean, Gong has this data that talks about how the best sales reps, um, you know, they they frame the conversation around three to four problem-oriented topics. They ask 11 to 14 questions within those topics. It's separate when it comes to executives. Executives, they ask about four. And the reason for that, and Denise said it earlier, like you got to get the qualification shit out of the way before you talk to an executive. You got to get the qualification stuff, okay? Discovery and curiosity, you can you can kind of clarify some things once you get to that executive to confirm like, hey, this is what I'm hearing. How does that impact you? But then the financial pieces, I mean, as soon as you can, the, the earlier you bring in the, the, the procurement, the earlier you bring in finance to this equation so they feel part of the decision, because what happens in this, I'm going to go procurement and then raise up to CFOs. The reason that most CFOs and procurement beat the shit out of sales reps is because they have very little context of the deal. What happens is CRO, whoever comes, you know, goes through their valuation process, puts all the effort in, and then at the end comes in and dumps it on the CFO's desk, it dumps it on the procurement's desk and says, hey, we got to get this done. Could you help me get this done by the end of the month? Right. And now me would know, like if I'm the CFO or if I'm procurement, if I have no context of this, 
I'm going to do my job. And my job is to save this company money and make sure that we are making the best financial decision for the biggest value we can get. It's not the cheapest. I want to make sure that people are clear on this. Procurement's job isn't get, to get isn't to get the cheapest solution, okay? It is to get the most value mm. out of the solution they are buying. If if procurement slashes a deal in half and that degrades the quality of the deal, so therefore the business is not getting the value from it because it because they cheaped out on it, actually the procurement person's ass is on the line. You know what I mean? Because if they force that decision to cut us down and then the vendors basically, yeah, you, what we talked about was that, but then you cut you cut our price in half. So we only were able to deliver this. So therefore you get a bag of shit solution here at the end of the day, that procurement person's on the hook for that. Like they, they are held accountable for that. So that's why getting them part of the decision. And, and that's why like when you start hearing contract where you're like, oh, you know, can you sign off an NDA? Like that's a, that's an opening where you can be like, well, Hey, so it sounds like you guys are pretty contract heavy and, and pretty financially driven on this. Does it make sense to bring in said CFO, said procurement person so that we can kind of build on this together so we don't slam into a brick wall after doing all this work here? Yep. And adding on to that, I'll say that, you know, again, what was it like 80% of people are saying that they don't have access to the financial buyer. And that doesn't surprise me, no. right? A lot of our sales cycles, it, it actually, that person doesn't want to talk to a salesperson, right? right? It's not going to happen. So in that case, because I think that's more the norm, right? Than not, right? Like I love all your, those are classic John questions, the John Barrow's questions. I love all those, right? But in the case where that doesn't happen, right. you have to make sure that you and your champion, again, you got to create that champion, but you have to make sure that they understand the business case because when that CFO or whatever executive comes down to them and says, like, what's the impact going to be for us spending money on this? Yeah, 88% of you in the room said you don't have access to them. So I'll ask this, and Denise, by all means, continue. But I wanted to get that out while you were talking about champions for the audience. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So you you absolutely need to make sure. And and I, I mean, I'm in IT sales, security sales, right? Our people are not good at that, that we sell to. They are not. You cannot expect that they know how to do that. You need to help them. You need to say, here's one we've used in the past. Like, can we walk it through? Can we do a little workshop with you? Like they need to have those numbers at the tip of their tongue when they get that asked that question, because they will. In 2023, they will get asked that question. What is the value? What is the impact? You know, you've got these five priorities. Where does it fit? What metric is this going to help you achieve? You know, what challenge that's on your plate is this going to solve? They need to know the answers to that. So you need to enable them with that. And can we pause for a second on to clarify champion here? Absolutely. Because I think that's also a, it's the third most overused phrase in sales. Yeah, for sure. It's touching base and checking in or one and two and champion is three. I hear it all the time. I go to champion. I go to champion. Why? Just because this person's willing to talk to you and, and friendly to you. Like that that's not a champion I, but it, the problem with the word champion is it feels nice to say i have a champion it's like like <laughs> no you don't you just have somebody who's willing to pick up the phone right so so a champion to me and by the way this is something that i think everybody listening to this should do right now is after this get off the phone and go to your go to your team and have a quick little brainstorm session of defining what a champion sh champion means for you yeah your organization there's not a flat definition of this okay right. me it's somebody who can break the rules and is willing to break the rules and can steal budget. They, 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 they might not be the budget owner, 
but they can kind of they have impact on that budget they can say hey I, like we and and they're going to stand up for you when the doors closed and people are making the decision they're in the room they right. if they're not in the room to me personally they cannot be a champion yeah and good coach yeah and they need to have that um gravitas within the company that they know that this is the person that gets those things done yep good conversations around champions here i know a lot of you are starting to think about the people you once defined as champions and realizing that they were never champions to begin with look at some of these results cool not champion 17 percent of you are giving them information and then hoping for the best our friend roderick jefferson who's also a C-level executive will tell you that hope is not a strategy. Uh, and I had to echo that for those of 17% that put that in there. Uh, all right, let's get down to brass tacks. That's my way of saying we should talk about negotiating with C-level. Uh, John, I know you're a tough negotiator, so we'll get to you. Denise, tell me how you negotiate with salespeople once you're past discovery. Everyone's on board. The team is for it. It's pro. You plan on purchasing. How do you negotiate price? Yeah, gosh, there's so many answers to this question, right? Um, I, in general, I'm looking for, you know, first of all, I have a budget, right? So I've got to meet that budget. Now, whether that means that, that you know, the end-all, be-all price, I can only do part of my organization, I'm willing to do that versus spending more, right? So there's that one. Um, there's also a land and expand. We'll get you started and then we'll expand beyond that. I tend to look at what are we paying for other things in this category, Right. So if it is, you know, if you're like five times more than we spend on any other solution, you need to have a good reason for it. Right. Otherwise, I'm going to expect you to be in line with what we're spending, you know, per seat for other kinds of things. Right. So so I'm I'm doing comparisons. I'm uh, I'm understanding all of that. And, and, you know, and then we're looking at there's there's other things that are not money. Right. There are, you know, hey, what are we going to do about logo usage what are we doing about um you know about advisory board kinds of things you know do we get first access to new products mm. we have access to a community that will help us be better are you going to put you're going to throw implementation in because that's one of the hardest things to do in any organization these days right we don't want shelf right all of those things i think are are a part of it and and we use that from external selling as well as when somebody's selling to me yeah John, we're going to move to Q&A here in a minute, but I want you to talk about how you negotiate, what your negotiation skills look like when you're talking to C-level execs. Uh, one of the things that I know for sure is that when you're talking about price, there's always an uncomfortable moment between the buyer and the seller at the C-level because it's kind of a whoever talks first loses moment, no? Yeah, that's a nice little, you know, old school sales thing, right? Uh, like, you know, <laughs> you save the price and then you shut up, right? Like, shut up. Like, I, I did that early in my career, by the way, and I had a CFO who knew exactly what I was doing, and he legit sat across the table from me like this. <laughs> Just waited. I was like, fuck. Right? So, but, you know, look, I think it's, you got to know your value. You have to be, you have to be crystal clear on your value before you know how to negotiate. You also have to know your walkaway line, quite frankly, uh, walking into a situation of what you will not go below. All you got to do is watch Shark Tank to figure out who negotiates good with that kind of thing. Like when you say, you know, you come in and you say, always blows me away with people like, you know, I'll give 20% of my company for $200,000 and then they walk out with like 95% of their company gone for 50 bucks. It's like, what happened? It's like, you dipshit. You So A, you have to know your value. B, you have to be very clear on on the dollar in, dollar out factor here, right? So I'll give you a quick example. I don't negotiate on price when it comes to when I know the impact that I can have mm. because I shift the conversation. So one of the, one of my questions always is what's your ACV, right? So it's $50,000, something like that, right? 
if your ACV is $50,000 and then I put a proposal in front of you for twenty dollars or $30,000 and you tell me you're, I'm too expensive, I say, no, I'm not. I, I go, no, I'm not. Right. And they're like, excuse me? I'm like, no, I'm not. Don't tell me I'm too expensive. Tell me you don't believe I can produce the results you're looking for me to produce. That's what you need to tell me. Because it, you're telling me that by going through my training, you don't believe that one deal is going to come in. Why are we even having this conversation if you don't think that you're going to get one extra deal in by using our our methodologies and our approach here? So don't tell me that I'm too expensive, okay? Tell me you don't believe because I'll talk to you about that. And then I try to shift the conversation of getting a price to being creative and flexible. I am more than willing to be creative and flexible with people. I loathe discounting. I loathe a number. I love getting creative. So when you have that dialogue with somebody, be like, hey, let's see if we can get creative here. I'm not sure if I can get to your price here. But to Denise's point, what about what if we extended the contract for three years? Then I could get a price down. Or what if you guys just did this instead of that? Or upfront payment terms. Like, like right now, for instance, I usually don't negotiate, but because revenue is king and queen right now, if you're willing to pay up front, I'm willing to get flexible. I'm willing to be creative. Uh Todd, Todd Capone has a brilliant book on this it's the well it's the transparent this is the transparency leader but but he has a transparency sale and it's all about negotiations and he puts it all out there he's like here's what's important to me i know you're going to want a discount here's what's important to me uh longer term contracts bigger contracts payment terms so here's so what do you want to do and it becomes this collaborative exercise with the person to say oh well what if we did three years instead of this and, da, 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 and then we build it together if it is a quid pro quo tit for tat thing you're gonna lose you're going to get your ass here, unless you are so confident that you are the best solution and they can't really do it without you. Otherwise, you better be you better come with some uh, some creative ways of getting around uh, the, the pricing situations. Creativity will save the day. We got some good questions in here. You can upvote the questions that matter most to you. So go through it and do it. Uh, I'm going to go one and then another. So this will be like a lightning round. John, you'll get one question and then Denise, you'll get another question. Work for you guys. Mm -hmm. All right. So this one comes from Robin. Uh, John, how much of a 30 minute call should be screen share and product demo versus discovery qualification, et cetera? To a C level? That's right. Oh, shit. Uh, very limited, in my opinion. I mean, it look, it depends on what the solution is. But if you drone through a presentation and a demo with me, I am going to zone out so fast. You got to engage and then bring it up and down. Oh, John, let me show you that piece of this. Boom, right there. Um, and then get back to having a conversation with me. I do not want you to assume because the problem with when you when you're present, a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll discover, 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 and it'll be engaging. It'll be engaging. And then there'll be a hard cut at a point in that presentation at the point of the call where they're like, OK, and they bring up the presentation. And the problem with that is it goes from you and me engaged like this and having a cool conversation to now you're in presentation mode because you're sitting bringing the slide up and guess what I go into? I go into presentation mode and therefore there is no back and forth. There is no dialogue. This is just me droning through and I fall asleep and I tell you, sounds interesting. I need some time to digest this. Why don't you send me information? We'll follow up. Oh, the digest, the D word is like piercing in my heart. Okay. You hear that? That's a tip for everybody. If you ever hear the word digest, you've done a shitty job as a sales presentation. That's a dead deal right away. <laughs> Eddie Cortez, welcome back, my man. We appreciate you. This one's for Denise. Best way to engage with C-Level? Would you say it's cold call, email, social? What do you think? Uh, well, so... In terms of engagement, right? Are you trying to get attention? Are you trying to get a meeting? Like, what are those things that you're trying to to accomplish? Um, 
Personally, I like a combo of like share something, like John said it, right? Share something that's valuable, something that is insightful, whether that's email, whether that's LinkedIn, it doesn't really matter what the what the form is, but be interesting, be educated, be something that my peers are doing and, and make them my real peers too, not like some throwaway companies I've never heard of because those are the ones that are on your list of, you know, case studies. Um, and then, and then it is, okay, so we have a conversation and this is where, again, we're going to say the same thing over and over again, have done your research, right? Do, do your research ahead of time, know who you're talking to you, have worked with some of the people underneath me to understand what the issues are and the priorities are, bring those to the table in the conversation, right? Amazing. Real quick referrals obviously are big, right? But, yeah. but also everybody's trying to build their brand these days. And if you read a really cool article or if you like, say you're on a CFO, right? And a CFO posts something on LinkedIn and it's a really interesting art, like really interesting. And, and you know that the CFO you're trying to connect with might have some insights on that or had said something about that in a previous post and you comment and then tag that person be like, yo, so-and-so, I know you, you commented on this last week. Would love to get your insights here. That's a massive ego boost. And that is something that you will get my attention with. It's like, all right, and, but it has to be legit. Like Denise said, it can't just be tagging me just because you want to tag me in some bullshit post. But if you yeah. tag me with like, hey, John, I remember on your podcast, you said something the other day about this. You know, this article is really interesting. I'd love your perspective on that. Oh man, now I'm coming in and I'm giving my insights there. That, And then you can then come back to me on LinkedIn and say, hey, thanks for the post. I'd love to see if I could chat with you about that. Now you've warmed me up a little bit. Great stuff right there. Denise, where can people connect with you? Where would they go to find you? LinkedIn's always best, right? Um, it's got my my sonry email on there. Like that's the place I'm gonna respond the most. Amazing. John, tell people that they can get their free consulting right there on Instagram. <laughs> yep. Hell. John M. Barrows, everybody. Instagram is the best one. Uh, you can hit me up, email anytime, but, and please don't connect with me on LinkedIn. I hate saying this because it sounds so douchey, but I've reached the connection limit. Uh, I can no longer accept, I've reached the 30,000 random ass number limit, so I cannot accept any more. Uh, but if you hit me up on Instagram, I will answer any question that you have at any time. That is real. He actually will respond to you and answer any question that you ask him. So go connect with John, follow him, get knowledge. That's the name of the game. I want to thank you guys for coming and sharing your wisdom. And thank you all for investing your afternoon with us and learning from the best in the business. Denise is a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for sharing all your nuggets with us. Follow us, sellbetter.xyz on Instagram. Sellbetter.xyz on YouTube is the free YouTube channel. Go subscribe, get all the nuggets and sellbetter.xyz on TikTok. That's where you can find us and make sure you visit our new website with all our new information and the way that we are going to market with new teams deals you want to talk to me about this let's make it happen we'll see you guys tomorrow have a great day sell better because you deserve to